0: I am not Rod Serling, but I am a celebrity impersonator, and you are about to enter a dimension. Not of Kardashians or reality TV, but of nostalgia, of television programs and motion pictures that have transcended the passage of time. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, CloserWeekly.com's classic TV and film podcast. I'm Ed Gross, and you're listening to CloserWeekly.com's classic TV and film podcast, where we celebrate the golden age of television and movies, then and now. If you're feeling a vibration in your head, it's probably the result of your mind being boggled right now as we're talking by the fact that Walt Disney's animated classic, Peter Pan, is over 65 years old. But if you're shocked, imagine how Catherine Beaumont feels. She was the voice of Wendy Darling in that film, bringing the character to life when she was just 12 years old. And before that, she was the voice of Alice in Disney's animated Alice in Wonderland. Both performances have been passed on from generation to generation, and we were lucky enough to speak to Catherine, as well as Disney historian Mindy Johnson, about it. A note about this interview. It was conducted before this podcast existed, which means that the original recording conditions, as you'll hear, are less than ideal. But we wanted to share the ladies' views on this classic film. Now, with disclaimers out of the way... Please join us as we set sail for the second start of the right and straight on till morning. Is it odd that here we are in 2018 and we're still talking about Peter Pan? This Peter Pan?
1: I think it's very exciting that it still resonates with the public and the fact that people are interested in, and the new generation is interested in seeing these wonderful stories
2: that came out uh, when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Well, and to that point, J.M. Um, Barry, Barry's story mm-hmm. lasted for decades prior to Walt Disney's development, so it's timeless. And there are so many great characters and themes. Adventure is always in order, no matter what the, the calendar says. <laughs> and it's, um, it's it, in a way, not surprising. Is.
0: Is, would you say that Wendy is a character that might have been a little stronger than than a lot of female characters were back in those days?
1: Oh, that's hard to to determine, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, because there were the special children's books that mm-hmm. were that were just loved throughout the the decades, and I think the story values were so wonderful and um, that's what I remember growing up these wonderful stories and I was so excited to be part of something that was going to be made film-wise so uh, that was a very exciting time for
2: me mm-hmm. as far as women's role uh, in at that time period if you go back to the turn of the century when J.M. Barry was working on the play and and then it's not until the 1950s where Walt is is actually in final production development for many years prior, um, women's roles and and their characterizations and attitudes had changed quite a bit. Um, and they certainly were progressing with the times from uh, the mid-1930s when the um, idea was first uh, being explored. Dorothy Ann Blank and others at the studio were exploring the first story notes and ideas on turning this into an animated feature film. Um, and certainly, hairstyles and fashion changed, but I think where women's roles were, were changing as well. We now are on the other side of World War II, and quite a bit had progressed for women in that time. So I think you could say that uh, she was a, a very contemporary character for those times.
0: I also wonder, you and being cast in this thing, what was that experience? What's your memory of that? I'm just wondering, like meeting Walt Disney at the time and being so young and and being cast in this role to voice this character. What are your memories of those days?
1: Oh, I had so many wonderful memories, Um, mainly just meeting Walt Disney he was uh, he was so iconic at that time everybody knew him the stories that he had that that were animated that came out in film um were just so wonderful and um I I just couldn't believe I was actually going to meet him and meet the person whose stories that I love so much that he had made into such wonderful films so it was an exciting time. And um, I can remember uh, being introduced to him for the first time when we were going to sign the contract for me to do the voice work. And I walked into the office and he opened the door and welcomed me. Just so I was so frightened because here's Walt Disney, this person who is just. Such a huge name and so so famous, and here I'm standing here talking to him, and he's made all these wonderful films that I just loved, and he just brought me in and sat me down at the at the couch with my mom, and we just started talking about the book itself, and I forgot to be frightened anymore. I forgot to be nervous. <laughs> Um, You know, we were we were just good friends. And I just had this remarkable experience working with Walt Disney and the creative people that were at that studio during that period. Um, It it was just wonderful for me.
0: You know, speaking of the fact that he had made all these other movies and stuff. What was your impression when you saw this all brought together on screen for the first time?
1: Well, I saw it, uh, you know, uh, bit by bit as each phase of the film were being worked on. So um, we did the voice work first and then there was the live action. The live action was to help the artist to do the drawings in a more realistic fashion. And so I did that work as well. And so then there was that uh, time frame where both of those were done, you know one, one thing after the other. And uh, as a result, I had an opportunity to work quite a lot with uh, everybody involved, both uh, voice-wise and with live action for the reference for the artist. So it, it was it was a wonderful time for me. I really had a, had a lovely experience.
0: Speaking of the live action, because I don't think people realize that, you know, you think of animation, you think – Uh, Well, they're just going in the booth and they're just recording the voices and that's it. How extensive was this live action shooting that you did or practice or whatever you did for the artists?
1: it was quite extensive uh the actual stage was there there was hardly anything but just a few boxes to uh, to sort of decide this is this is where you walk and stand and this is where you're walking out and doing this that or the other activity and so um we just used our imaginations to do the live action but the idea of the um animation Being uh, doing this particular part of it, the live action, was for more inspiration for the artist because um, they could watch the human figure moving and then they were able to draw the the character more realistically than if they were just using it from their imagination. So they would see my movements and uh, the way that the scene played out in live action and then they could make the transfer a lot more easy. So that's sort of how the situation was worked. I did the um, recordings first, and then a few weeks later, they were ready to do the live action, which was on a stage with the camera and lights and all of that, but very little else. You just had to imagine uh, the setup and the sets and the building and all of that. So, um, but it was a nice experience. It really was fun. So I had a, I had a lovely
2: time working with Disney. And that actually is uh, the live-action work was so key, particularly uh, in certain settings and scenes, but also characters. Um, Tinkerbell being one of the primary examples of that, where she was a little flash of light, but now for the first time she could be embodied. And so Kathy did early explorations on Tinkerbell working with large props and- Oh yes, I do remember that. Yeah.
1: yeah, because they really weren't quite sure how this how did they want to actually visualize Tinkerbell. They didn't want her to be the adult tall kind of a character. They didn't want it to be too childlike. They were wanting something in between but they weren't quite sure what was going to work out the best. Mm-hmm. So they did have me do a few scenes uh, as Tinkerbell to get things started. <laughs> so that was a lovely experience having that, uh, that opportunity too.
0: But, but is that more of a pantomime type thing? I mean, because she doesn't talk. I mean, so what do you do? Just, like, mo- just for body movement for them to film it?
1: Yes, it was totally for body movement because that way the animators could watch the person's movement mm-hmm. and that would help draw their inspiration to draw the character more realistically. And that was what was the important thing. Right. And
2: Mark Davis, they were still exploring for many years prior uh, in different forms and shapes for the character. But by the time Mark Davis was brought on to design that character, he was working to find – that was a challenge was the pantomime element. And mind you, in early uh, script explorations, uh, they were looking at dialogue for, for Tinkerbell sort of as another oh, author. Really? Um, on- Yeah, but then it was, uh, again, Dorothy Ann Blank brought it back around to the magic of the pantomime, and as a way to sort of make this character a little more um, uh, unearthly, and to have her voice be expressed as Belle, similar to the play. Uh, But the exploration of this, in order to make her pantomime more effective, you have Mark Davis... Kind of defining her as a little girl from the waist up and a woman from the waist down. So you can see why Kathy, since she was there and and very familiar with their process and what the live action process was and how they worked with it, why they brought her in for these explorations. Um, I know Kathy, you mentioned Helene Stanley was also yeah. brought in with yeah. a uh, again a very very well versed. She did quite a bit extensively on Cinderella and other early films for the animators, and there were a couple of other models, including Margaret Carey. So it was a real composite for that character. Oh, yes,
1: yes, mm-hmm. yes. yes. They, they used quite a few ladies to show different aspects of the character to see what would, would work the best. Right.
2: That, largely because she was the mime, and that was a, a yes. pretty unusual thing for animation.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. Now, in terms of flying and stuff like that, I assume you just put your arms up? <laughs> I don't, or did they or did they hoist you up on wires for all I know?
1: Oh, they hoisted me up on wires. And um, <laughs> that was going to be very interesting for me because I was somewhat afraid of height. <laughs> because, oh, my God. They're going to put this, uh, this device around my waist, and then I'm going to be hoisted up there all the way up. And I was looking up to the top, of the ceiling of the studio and thinking that's a long way up. I have to look down on yeah. this that's a little scary so so i I was nervous to start out with, but it passed because. They were so helpful in in the way they had me move and, you know, how they explained everything so well that I got along just fine with that scene.
2: (laughs) And and quite actually, too, in the photographs, you can see you're maybe about three or four feet from the ground. (laughs) In reality. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) But it felt a lot higher.
2: And it did feel a lot higher than I
0: believe that. it, <laughs> I absolutely believe that you know uh now, and you was it you and the other cast members at the same time doing all that, or
1: well, it varied okay. it all depended on what the needs were sometimes uh, all of the the characters in the particular sequence uh needed to be there uh to To work on the, the long the long shots, the shots with everybody involved. Right. Um, then, when right. it came to the close ups and all of that, then of course they was one by one.
0: Got it. You know, is, is it unique? And maybe you might be able to answer this better than than even Kathy might. I don't know. Is it unique that you voice two characters in these classic films?
2: It is um, because Walt really worked to define distinct, memorable characters. And he was also cautious. Of, he wanted the voice to sort of supplement, add, and drive the characters. Um, he utilized known voices of the day with Hans Conried and, and many others. But um, their characterizations, the voice is really the, the inspiration for so much, particularly for the, for the animators. And so for Kathy to be able to voice two characters back-to-back, I mean, we do have a couple of other instances, but that was pretty unique. And with Kathy, I will speak for you, <laughs> Um, I think Walt was uh, quite aware. Purposefully chose her uh, because her 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 accent
1: is accessible. That I think that was something that was very important for him. He he kept saying he wanted the voice to be pleasing to both both ears, the English. Be happy that the English—it's a, it's a an authentic English accent, but it's not too British for Americans to to find it hard to hard to understand, hard to follow. Right. and uh, that's where one of the reasons that he felt that my voice was the most suitable. Mm-hmm.
2: So she certainly is amongst uh, one of the earliest to, oh, yeah. to do dual roles, and also too her age at that point, um, she had grown. A couple of years. That's right. Alice That's and right. Peter Pan. Because
1: when I was uh, working on Alice, I was uh, 10, 11, mm-hmm. and it uh, lasted for almost four years. Oh, By wow. that time, I was a lesson, yeah. and I was yeah. going in, into being becoming a teenager. And so then it, it perfectly fits. With its, uh, you
2: know, with the Wendy Carriage yeah. Group and the the time frame and uh, right region and
0: right all of that, and the voice had changed, I assume, over those few years. Well, it
1: was
0: probably matured, mm-hmm. not yeah. yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, how was know, that for you? Uh, just just knowing that you are not only—it's one thing to be part of the legacy of of something like Walt Disney's classic films, but to be in two <laughs> two classic films as the lead character. I know.
1: I know. That that was really amazing, the fact that they were already working on Peter Pan when they were doing, well, they're in production for Alice in Wonderland. And um, they began to talk more about how it fits so well, because here's another story with a a British child and a little bit older, so I was also maturing, and that it just fits, fits the situation really well. So it did go from one to the other and it was just, <laughs> just a lovely lovely experience for me.
0: Was the because it was a few years was the process any different or did they take the same exact kind of process in in you know recording filming that sort of thing?
1: Well pretty much the process was the same um because uh the the um the recordings were done first and then there would be live action sessions that were filmed on a very bare stage. It was just, there was nothing much there except where you were um, performing the movements. So that would give the inspiration to help the artists with their drawings. So there were two separate things that went on. So there, sometimes there would be maybe weeks between um, when you did the voice work and then when you did the live action. So the live action was um, another, another whole Method, and um, we uh, of course I had to go to school all during that time. But I had a special teacher, uh, and I had I had tutoring every day with this teacher, so that I could be on call to work when I was needed to work, and it didn't interfere with them. But my education wasn't interfered with either, and uh, I had the same teacher all the way through, which was wonderful because you know it was just um, just. Went right straight through with uh,
2: with just seamlessly as a result, so it worked out very well. Yeah, and there really weren't any technological changes or advancements. This is a really fascinating time period with uh, within Disney animation where it's really the machinery is really within the the pipeline of talent, and again, that leads back to Kathy's point that you know she was there and. And the character required a certain age and she was that age and it was a perfect fit. So, uh, but technologically or anything else, there really weren't any changes uh, for this particular film.
0: Right. Right. For, for, for you, uh, Kathy, when you look back now, I mean, cause I know we have to wrap this up. It's almost the 20 minutes, but, but when you look back at Peter Pan and the experience of making the film and the fact that like we began the conversation saying that it's still something that's relevant today, what is your overall feelings, just thinking back on it?
1: Well, I feel how fortunate I was to have been chosen at that time to participate in this wonderful experience. And it's something that I always remember just very fondly of and appreciated so much. I moved on to uh, other things. I uh, went finished my schooling, I went to college, and then came out with a teaching credential. And then my adult life was as a teacher, uh, basically in the primary grades, although uh, for a while I was all over, <laughs> kindergarten and all of that. But, um, you know, I did have a completely different career as an adult. But I, I always treasure those memories of the years that I was with Disney and the fact that I was part of that wonderful era and of those amazingly talented artists that were at Disney.
0: We hope you enjoyed this little trip to Neverland. Please subscribe to this podcast, give us a five-star review, and spread the word about it to your friends. If you don't, expect a visit from Captain Hook. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time.